Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here. Am I on? <laughs> okay. Yeah, because they won't be able to hear me on, online. But good to have you here with us there online, whether you're on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, YouTube, any of those. Be sure to uh, heart to like to share us there. Um, Instagram, we don't have the video there, but we do have an Instagram account uh, that you can look us up on there uh, also. And we do put our uh, events that are coming up on there also. But be sure to uh, go to those websites if you have, uh, or those different social media platforms if you have access there, uh, and do those things. That just helps to get the word out even more. Welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, thank you for being here with us also. Uh, it's a simple platform there that uh, you call into and it'll automatically call you when our services go live. So if you know someone who needs that, uh, let us know after service. We'll be glad to give you that number. Call us at the church office if you need that and we'll be glad to give that to you there. If you do have access to our church website, if you would go to highlandbaptistchurch.com, it's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin for this past Sunday that has upcoming activities for this week and next, uh, even a little bit into the beginning of November there. Uh, also, we have our children's worship bulletins. Those are in the windowsill if you need a paper copy uh, tonight, uh, but you can download those under the info tab uh, also. So just wanna make you aware of that. And also under that info tab, you'll wanna get your prayer list uh, downloaded. We do have some updates to some uh, tonight on the prayer list, so wanna make sure uh, you get that uh, downloaded so you have a copy to follow along uh, with us. If you need that in person, they're on the front pews here on the side. If somebody comes in late, make sure uh, they get those, if you will. Uh, while you're there on our church website, if you go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular online giving. You can give your golden offering for Tennessee Missions giving. So I encourage you to take the time to do that as well as to continue praying for our missionaries. Uh, we took our backpacks that we packed, so thank you so much. We had 25 of those uh, that I took up on Monday to Mount Juliet uh, to the Missions Mobilization Center for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Uh, they explained a little bit there too more than, than I knew uh, before that uh, the bags we packed and took to there, most of those will uh, come back here to Middle Tennessee somewhere to, to kids in poverty. Um, there are a lot in East Tennessee and if they need some, they may, if they have extras here, they'll send those uh, over to East Tennessee. But the predominance of them will go here to Middle Tennessee. What was delivered uh, to the centers in West Tennessee will go to West Tennessee, uh, as well as those that go to East Tennessee collection centers will go to East Tennessee. So just thought I'd share that with you. So thank you so much for helping us to get those 25 backpacks uh, packed for those kids in poverty. Just wanna remind you Sunday, uh, we've got some special things going on. We've got our fifth Sunday dinner. Uh, we're doing some meat for that, but also you bring your fixings to go with it. Uh, it's potluck for that, so just bring whatever you want. Uh, make sure you bring enough for you, your family, some extras for some other people too, maybe that didn't come prepared. Uh, so we'll have dinner on the grounds here Sunday morning after our morning worship service. And then that night, we'll be having our fifth Sunday scene. Uh, so I want to encourage you, uh, if you uh, can, to be here in person for that. If you want to sing, uh, you want to sing, right, Susie? <laughs> if you want to sing a solo, if you want to sing a duet, if you want to sing a group, if you want to play an instrument, uh, please come. Uh, call us, let us know if you're at home and weren't able to be here tonight. Uh, if you are here tonight, let myself, let Brother Mike know uh, so we can get you on the schedule for Sunday night. Uh, that'll be at 6 o'clock. If you cannot be here in person, then we encourage you to watch us there uh, online. We also have next Tuesday our Trunk or Treat event. 
Uh, we still need a lot of help with that. If you uh, want to help just do a trunk, uh, if you just want to open the back of your trunk, we can slap some decorations on the back of it. We've got boxes and bags of candy already, so you don't even have to bring all that. All you got to do is bring your vehicle and just maybe bring a lawn chair that you can sit there in the lawn chair to hand out candy to kids. Uh, we need people who can help to serve hot chocolate, uh, hamburgers, uh, people who can help us with traffic control. If you can help with any of those things, there's a sign-up sheet on the board out here in the hallway. Uh, it's got a long list there of things that you can sign up for to help with. And if you just say, I'll do anywhere, uh, just put that. Uh, we'll put you in where we need you at there. So that's going to be Tuesday from 5 to 7. We've already mailed out our cards uh, to individuals. We've got two more groups of cards that will be going out to some local elementary schools. Uh, and Miss uh, Linda is sending out cards and information tonight to our WANA kids. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll have a bunch of kids that will be here that night. From what I've seen of the weather, it's going to be chilly again. <laughs> so uh, come prepared <laughs> for that. So the hot chocolate will come in handy for that night. So that's all I had to share of things. Be sure if you have any prayer requests, uh, share those on Facebook. That's where we'll be watching live uh, to get any of those requests in the live part of our service here. Uh, you can share them anywhere else. You can send us an email. You can call us and leave those prayer requests with us. Uh, but that's the only place we'll see it live. Brother Mike. Lord, I'm coming home. And Pat and I, we love the words. We do not like the way it's written, so we're not going to do it the way it's written. We're going to do it the way we all know it. So, Pat.
Hopefully, if you're at home there, you've had the opportunity uh, to get your prayer list downloaded so that you can follow along uh, with us there on your prayer requests. So we do have just a few that we want to update uh, and share a little bit about uh, what's going on with some individuals. Let me get back to one of these so that I can share. So hopefully you have that. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at our Highland Baptist Church uh, family uh, side there of our prayer list. And where is his request? I'll just have to share what I know and leave off what I don't. <laughs> um, there's one of these prayer requests that I, we had the message come to us on uh, Facebook Messenger, and I can't get that part to uh, come up on my device there on the church's Facebook page. But if you would take a look there at your Highland Baptist Church family side, I want to remember Brian Tate uh, in your prayers. He's about two-thirds of the way down uh, on your prayer list is where we'll start there. Uh, just a reminder there, uh, just looking back up there to David Hess, uh, things are going well with him. He is uh, going to be starting soon his radiation treatments, so uh, keep him in prayer for that, but everything else as well. Uh, they, he's not going to have to have the surgery where they're going to have to open him up like an open heart surgery to remove that tumor. Uh, everything is uh, considered dead there. It's shrunk from a grapefruit size to a walnut size, so we just continue to praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, remember Brian Tate, as we said. Remember Sandra Wells. Uh, she needs to have uh, a surgery uh, 
for her kidney stones. Uh, pray for her with that, with insurance issues and such too. Uh, pray for Miss Jewel Farrell as they continue to seek to find out uh, what's her problem, what some of the medical issues she's facing, as well as Miss Hilda Corley. Uh, both are in the same thing, doing some tests. Uh, trying to discover what is going on in their bodies. Do want to continue to remember Bill Warren? It says cancer out beside his, but we've found out that that is not the case. He doesn't have cancer. He does have something else uh, that was a spot on his lung, but it wasn't cancer. And so we praise the Lord for that. He is going to have to have a small procedure done. So keep him in your prayers as that up comes or comes up. Uh, and then also Rick German, uh, from what I last had heard, I think it was the end of this month. He's having his surgery. Uh, on his back so if everything still continues with that keep him in your prayers that'll be next week uh, that he'll be having that I think it's either next Monday or Tuesday uh, also we've added for tonight Jeff Dodson um, he is uh, they could not find a full-blown aneurysm uh, they said he does have a breathing tube he is sedated to keep him calm because he was having some seizures so they've got him on some seizure meds um, and it's kind of just a waiting game right now uh, they're looking at seven to ten days that he's at least going to have to be in the hospital. They're trying to make sure to keep his blood pressure down. Uh, but he, has, he had a brain bleed there, and they had to life flight him to Vanderbilt in Nashville uh, earlier this morning. So keep him and keep Kim, his wife, uh, in your prayers. Uh, Jack Doubt is the one that I was trying to look up online. Uh, he was just recently diagnosed, and I believe it was with lymphoma. Uh, so uh, uh, hopefully I don't have that wrong. So uh, I wasn't going to say much there, but I did, didn't I? So um, <laughs> do keep Jack. It is a serious uh, prognosis that he has one way or the other. Uh, it did start with an L, <laughs> and I remember that. So, and I know it wasn't leukemia. So, um, so keep him in your prayers as he's got some upcoming things that he's going to be facing. And then we've also added Christopher. Uh, he's on his way back to Louisville this evening. Uh, he's going to be with his uh, girlfriend up there for a couple of days and uh, getting packed and getting ready. He will be deployed on Sunday. Uh, it's not a deployment to uh, a war zone or anything like that yet, <laughs> so, but he is going overseas to Europe. So want to keep him in your prayers as he goes uh, over there he, it's for three weeks. Um, but they've told him it could be longer, uh, depending on what happens in the world over there. So I want to keep him in your prayers. This is the first time he's gone on a deployment, too, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to add him to the prayer list there for that, uh, as well as for mom and dad. <laughs> so, um, and our peace of mind with that. I any others, updates, or things on the Highland Baptist Church family side? Sorry, I did find it on uh, Jack Doubts. Uh, he is asking for prayers, and I thought I had it wrong, but it was spelled differently. Uh, he, is, he has been diagnosed with stage 2 leukemia uh, on Tuesday. So he says continue to keep him in your prayers. All right, on our friends and family side, I didn't hear any others or see any others there uh, on our live stream. So uh, we'll continue on with our friends and family side. Uh, well, I do see Miss Ella, and this will go fine with our friends and family side. Uh, we've got um, 
Yvonne Ortiz that we want to continue to remember in prayer that Brian Tate has given us as a request. Christine Cranford uh, with skin cancer. This is Patricia Durham's mother. Janie Town, uh, as well as Terry Parrish, both sisters of Donna Adcock, Charles Blevins, Kim Tucker, uh, and Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's brother. And the reason I start there near the bottom, those are the most recent requests. Uh, we try to keep those down closer to the bottom of the list because those are the ones that tend to rotate on and off a little bit quicker uh, than the others. And then also Ella Thames had mentioned on Facebook there to pray for a couple that she knows that are having infertility issues and going through IVF procedures. So keep them in your prayers. The Lord knows who they particularly are. Any other friends and family? that we need to mention. Mm-hmm. All right. So remember, uh, this is your cousin, right? So this is Miss Remus' cousin, uh, Brenda Lackey, uh, who is in the hospital with pneumonia but she is responding well to the treatments there. So we praise the Lord for that, and hopefully everything will continue to progress well, that she'll be able to be out of the hospital and back home soon and healed. Any others for that part? Any others we need to add? Do want to continue to remember uh, all the unrest around our world? Uh, remember those people. I mean, we've, we've prayed for Israel. We've prayed for uh, those in Gaza. We've prayed for Ukraine. I want to remember those in Acapulco who were uh, hit by the hurricane there that just all of a sudden exploded uh, there. It was originally yesterday morning, uh, a uh, tropical storm, and within 12 hours it exploded to a Category 5, 165 mile an hour winds, uh, and hit Acapulco there, a city of almost a million in that region right there. So still haven't seen any of the results of what happened there. Hopefully uh, loss of life was uh, spared uh, there. I do want to remember uh, those that are in nursing homes and assisted living. Uh, Mary Campbell, who's at NHC Tullahoma. Peggy Eggleston at Life Care of Tullahoma. Susie Barton at Morning Point. Uh, Bertie Davis at Brookdale. Miss Janet Carter at MacArthur Manor over in Manchester. Uh, Floyd Prince at Morning Point and Sue Prince at Morning Point, as well as Beverly Daniels, who's, at re who's in rehab at Life Care. So I want to remember all of those uh, in your prayers. And I know we have him on the other side there under friends and family, Hoyt Farrell, but he is also uh, in a uh, nursing facility over in Manchester. I uh, don't remember the name of it, but he's over there too. So, uh, But we have him on the friends and family side there. Any others? I don't see any other comments on Facebook, so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the book of Zephaniah. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We thank you for your provisions for us. We thank you for your protection over us each and every day, even when we don't always see what you're doing. Uh, Lord, we thank you for life itself that can uh, change very quickly for any of us. Uh, Father, there are those who are in the hospital, we know even today, who uh, never suspected things would be the way they are today, uh, that uh, yesterday things seemed fine. So, Father, we just want to uplift uh, before you all of these individuals in prayer. And we know to do that, we have to come with clean hearts before you. We know that your word tells us that if we regard or hold on to sin, 
in our hearts that you will not hear from heaven. And so, Father, we just want to ask that you would shine the light of the truth of your word into our hearts to convict us of any sin that we might have in our hearts. Lord, that we would confess those things before you and that you would forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, that you would hear our prayers, that you would answer our prayers. And Father, we just want to give you the glory and the honor for all that you're about to do in each one of these individuals' lives. Lord, wash us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as we repent of our sin and turn away from it and we turn to follow you. May your Holy Spirit continue, Lord, to to build within us and to dwell within us and to create within us a clean heart that is following after you, that has a desire for you, to want to know you more fully and that we would obey you in your word. Knowing, Lord, that doesn't earn any favor with you, but, Lord, that is to be just the characteristics of the profession that we make with our lips, that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if that is true in our hearts. And so, Father, we give our lives and our our all to you and we ask lord for you to take us and to use us and cleanse us father we want to pray on behalf of each one of these whether they're on our highland baptist church family uh, side or whether they're on the friends and family side or just simply in the nursing homes uh, father we know that you know each person's uh, life situation you know where they are uh, lord in the in the criticalness of things that they're facing and so we just want to uplift them all to you lord some are facing uh, terminal situations some are facing uh, some uh, some illnesses and diseases that will require some treatments maybe. And Father, I just pray that you will give wisdom and discernment to the doctors and nurses who will be taking care of them. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given uh, to those in our world who have studied and learned to be able to uh, care for us. Uh, but Lord, we know that ultimately you are the great physician. And so we just uplift them into your hands. We ask, Lord, for you to touch them. We ask, Lord, for you to show your power and your glory and your majesty in a powerful way as you bring physical healing to their bodies. Lord, as they're going through these times, may they trust in you. May they lean upon you rather than their own understanding. May you use the times and the, the struggles and the trials that they're going through to be a witness to the world around them and, and to those who are maybe a part of their families, uh, maybe those, Lord, who uh, are their caregivers, that you would use their faith and their witness and their testimony to make an impact in those people's lives uh, to bring them to faith in Christ. If there are any of these, Lord, that we're praying for who don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we pray that, that you will use that that they're going through, Lord, to show them that there is only one answer for their heart and their life, and that is faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So we ask your blessings upon them, Lord. We ask you to encourage them and strengthen them uh, in these difficulties that they're going through. We want to give you the praise and the glory for healings that you have brought for those, Lord, that we've been able to remove from our list. Uh, we just ask God for your hand to be upon them uh, still, even though they may not be on our list, to continue their healing processes. Uh, but we just praise God that, that they are doing so much better uh, than they were uh, and that we are giving you the testimony and the glory and the honor for what you've done in their lives. Lord, we want to pray for uh, the unrest around our world, whether it's in Israel and Gaza or whether it's in Ukraine or whether it's in uh, Acapulco, Mexico or wherever it might be around this world. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will be glorified and honored through those things. And Father, I pray that you'll uh, just bring healing and hope uh, to those people's hearts and, and help them to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior through those things. Protect 
those who are the innocent there, Lord. And we pray for your, your hand to be upon them in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for those who are serving in our military. Uh, as many have been deployed already to the Middle East, to the Mediterranean, uh, as well as to Europe, as well as to Southeast Asia, uh, and many other places around the world, we pray, God, that you would uh, just watch over them, protect them, uh, keep them safe as they are away from their loved ones, and bring them back safely uh, to their homes. Father, we just want to pray tonight that as we come back to the book of Zephaniah, uh, may you speak to our hearts, may it be powerful, may the Old Testament, Lord, uh, here in this wonderful uh, minor prophet book, speak to us in a powerful way uh, that it might transform and change our lives, our perspective, and, and just help us, Lord, to have that hunger and thirst for you that maybe has been lacking in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to depend upon you rather than ourselves uh, and to understand that there is that tendency in our lives to do that all too often. And so we want to come to you not tonight, Lord, uh, depending upon you uh, for all of our, our resources, for you to sustain our life, uh, for you to bring protection and salvation uh, to our hearts and to our lives. So bless your word tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So take your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Zephaniah. We did not finish Zephaniah chapter 1 last time, and so we're just going to speedily go through a few of those things uh, that we looked at uh, the last time as we came to Zephaniah. Zechariah. Sorry, I did say it wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to get a drink of water before I get started because I've been dried out. And I was thinking Zephaniah too. Uh, but this is Zechariah. Uh, so we, we have looked at Haggai, and they are contemporaries of each other. They have both uh, been bringing God's message at the same time to different areas. Uh, Zechariah a little bit later than Haggai. Haggai is the older. <coughs> Zechariah is the younger. Um, they have been bringing God's word as God has been giving them. Uh, the word to bring. It has been a message of hope and encouragement from Haggai uh, to not give up hope, get back to the work. There's a lot to do, and God has a plan for you. God wants to bless you, uh, and so be faithful in your service to him. When you're obedient to God, he will bring the blessings to you. Uh, we don't know much about Zechariah's life uh, or his death. Uh, his prophecy is quoted, we said, or alluded to uh, at least 41 times. Uh, in the New Testament. He's a visionary prophet. Uh, as we had looked at the book of Haggai, uh, the last uh, three of the minor prophets have to do with the children of Israel in the period of time uh, just after the captivity. So they've been in Babylon. They have, there's been one group that came back with Ezra. Uh, there's another group that's come back, uh, some that came back with Nehemiah. Uh, we're going to find out here in, in Zechariah, uh, that he, he is one of the minor prophets. Remember, we've talked about this before. Minor prophets just mean that, that their books are smaller than the major pro ones we call major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those that just have more chapters, more content there. Uh, not minor in any of the in emphasis uh, of their message. But uh, God had been punishing his children, sending them into those 70 years of captivity into a foreign land. And upon their return, there were things that needed to be done, responsibilities that were there. Uh, God's message, God gave messages to Haggai and to Zechariah and as we're going to see uh, to Malachi, when we get to Malachi, to challenge the remnant of the people in those days after the captivity. So Zechariah, he is the longest 
of all of what we call the minor prophets, 14 chapters. Uh, Zechariah is a prophet, but he's also a priest. Uh, we're told in Zechariah uh, chapter 1, verse 1, that he was the grandson of Edo, uh, who was a prophet, uh, who came back to Jerusalem, was very Babel, uh, in one of the first returns of the people of the Lord. Uh, but the word prophet there is connected with Zechariah. Uh, Haggai, he delivered a series of sermons to encourage the people to rebuild the city. If you remember, they had rebuilt, began rebuilding the temple, uh, but they, it was just a foundation and it lay bare. Uh, that's what Haggai was talking about, uh, how, how, uh, how much that was hurting their testimony uh, of who God is. For 16 years, it just lay as a foundation. Zechariah comes and he's given a series of visions from the Lord and these visions, God, in these visions, God shows uh, him the nation uh, of Israel and how they fit into the plans of God for the world in the days of the future. So there are two keys that I mentioned last week as we were rushing to the end. I want to emphasize those again. There are two keys that can help us to understand the book of Zechariah. If you keep in mind that Zechariah talks about Jerusalem and Jesus... Is talking about Jerusalem and Jesus, you'll understand a great deal of what you read in the book of Zechariah. Now, all through the book, his themes are Jerusalem and Jesus. He talks about the city of Jerusalem, what God's going to do again with this capital city of his people. And then he has prophecies that he's looking forward to the coming Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, with the exception of the prophet Isaiah... Zechariah gives us more prophecy about the coming of the Savior than any other of the Old Testament uh, writers. So when we look back at Zechariah, there are three main divisions of this book that we want to follow. In the first six chapters, we see Israel's future. Uh, here he talks in particular about God's plan for Israel in relationship to other nations uh, of the world. Chapters 1 through 6 are about their future. In those chapters, he gives a series of eight visions that we're going to look at, uh, which God uh, gave to him. Then in chapter 7 and chapter 8, uh, he deals with the subject uh, of fasting. He deals with the subject of fasting in chapter 7 and chapter 8. Uh, the, some of the remnant of the people, they were wondering about fasting and the place of fasting in their lives. And so in chapter 7 and 8, he's going to talk about Israel's fasts and what they should be doing. Then in chapter 9 uh, through chapter 14, he's going to discuss their foolishness. And in those chapters, he's going to deal with the matter of Israel's rejection of the Messiah. But he also talks about the time in the future when they will come to him and receive him as, as their Savior. And so he is going to talk about the coming of the Messiah, which happened when Jesus comes. But he's also going to talk about something way off out there in the future when they are going to come and to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, which they don't believe now, which they didn't in the days of Jesus. So he's talking about something that's still out there in the future even from us today. So first of all, we have Israel's future in chapters 1 through 6. And the first part of this message is a call for the people 
to return to God. Three things that he says. God calls his people to repent in verse 1 down through verse 6 in chapter 1. So let's read those verses, uh, if you will. So in, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. That's what the prophets had cried out. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. So here comes this young preacher, if you will, uh, and God commands him to call this discouraged remnant of people to turn from their wicked ways and to obey his word. So Zechariah here, he's, he's boldly proclaiming what God had told him to say because after all, the Lord could not bless his chosen people until they were clean in his sight, until they had retur returned to him, turned away from their sin, till they had repented. So if Zechariah had wanted to quote a text for his sermon, he could have used 2 Chronicles seven fourteen that we know that says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, uh, will seek my face, will repent of their sin, turn away from their sin, and, and then he says, then I will heal their land uh, and I will bring that blessing to them. So that, that 2 Chronicles seven fourteen could have been a, a verse he could have used for this message. In the opening verses of this prophecy, we're told that the Lord was displeased with their fathers. Now, in, the, in just looking at that cursory look of it, you might think, well, you're telling me about what my mom and my dad did. What's that got to do with me? You know, we want to think that, that what, what we do doesn't affect anybody else. But just like what our parents have done, uh, in our, even in, throughout our nation, has affected us to where we are today, what we're doing today is affecting the next generations. And so uh, he says, God, I was displeased. The Lord was displeased with their fathers. And then he gives the reason for the displeasure. Why was God unhappy with them? Why was God displeased with them? Well, you see that in verse 3. He says, because the, the Lord of hosts says, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. He said, don't be like your fathers. I sent the message to them for them to return, and they wouldn't listen. Uh, they wouldn't obey. And that's what verse 4 through verse 6 is saying. He's saying that there, there is the reason God was displeased with their fathers because they refused to hear the word of God. When we come to hear God's word, when we are studying God's word, when we are in our time of devotion reading God's word, and we come with a heart that I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to listen to what the Lord's showing me to do there, then you can just remember, uh, you will reap what you sow. 
uh, you will incur uh, some, some negative things from that. And so they wouldn't obey the word. Uh, they wouldn't hearken. Hearken means to listen uh, with the ten- intent to obey the Lord. So God was displeased with them. And so here is Zechariah who's challenging them, don't make the same mistakes as your fathers made. That's the whole point he brings up about their fathers. That's why it's important for us to look around us at those who have gone before us and to learn from the good things they did and and emulate and follow those things. Like Paul says, uh, imitate me in Christ. But when you look at the the negative things, uh, the things that lead to sin, those are the things that we need to make sure don't make those same mistakes that our fathers also made. And so that's what he's saying here. He's challenging them. Don't make the same mistake that the generations before did. After those opening six verses where the Lord speaks to the people, God gives Zechariah here a series of eight visions. Uh, The first vision is found in verse 7 down through verse (coughs) 8. And we see that and how God comforts his people. So you're going to notice in these visions, there is a similarity in content and in style to the writing of the book of Daniel uh, in the Old Testament and to the book of Revelation in the New Testament. It's, it's really a particular kind of type of literature. Sometimes God chose to speak to the people through these prophets in what we call apocalyptic literature, meaning in the language of symbolism and using visions. And many of the visions of the book of Zechariah are also picked up in the book of Revelation. Uh, So that's why we know that what Zechariah is speaking here has an emphasis for what's going on in his day with his people, but it also has a future reference because Revelation picks up those very same themes, the very same words even uh, in places uh, to speak of the the prophecies in the book of Revelation that are yet to come. So when you look at this first vision uh, of the horses, you immediately are going to begin to think of Revelation chapter 6 where God gives us that picture of the four horsemen. So here's a picture of some horses and some riders on those horses. So let's pick up with verse 7 down through verse 9. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, saying, I saw in the night, so that's why we know it's a night vision, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, he was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then I said in verse 9, What are these, my Lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So understand at this point, Zechariah doesn't know what they are. So he says, the angel says, I'll show you what they are. Verse 10, So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, they, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So what the Lord is saying here is that in this vision of these horses, the men on these, uh, on these horses, that are, they are God's special agents, uh, God's special angelic agents who are assigned to the task to survey the world, to see the conditions uh, of the world at that time. So uh, these angel agents of the Lord come back, and here's what they say in verse 11. So they 
those men on those horses, uh, they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, we have patrolled the earth. In other words, we've looked all throughout the earth. We've scanned. We've, we've looked everywhere. We've looked under every bush, under every tree, under every rock. Uh, we've, we've patrolled the earth. And behold, all the earth remains at rest. So uh, he's saying they're at ease. He's talking about the nations of the world. He's talking about the nations that have caused problems uh, for the children of the Lord. And he's saying that, that they are indifferent, they are at ease, they're unconcerned, they're apathetic. Uh, so the Lord makes a promise, having sent one of his uh, agents here to examine the situation in the world. The Lord makes a promise, and so uh, the message was, we've looked through the earth, behold, all the earth remains at rest. We would think, oh, that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a good thing there that it's at rest. He's saying they're apathetic. They, they're just uh, lazy. Uh, they, they don't care about uh, what God's plan is and what God wants to do. So verse 12 says, Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease, that are apathetic. Uh, for while I was angry but a little... They furthered the disaster. So the Lord makes a promise, what he says there in verse 12 to verse 15. And then you see verse 16 and verse 17. says, therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it. So he's saying the temple will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts. And the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Verse 17, cry out again, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. So God, here God is now saying that he's looking upon Jerusalem with favor where for these last 70 years he hasn't been. For these last 70 years they've been in exile. Uh, they've been in captivity. Uh, they had been carried away in captivity. And so the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. But now God says, I'm going to deal in mercy. So the first vision has to do with the plan of God to deal with the nations of the world that have mistreated his chosen people. The Lord was angry with the Gentile nations because he says there they have, uh, they have been unnecessarily brutal towards the Jews. He says there they have furthered the disaster. Uh, and so, true, God had called Assyria to punish uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. True, he had called Babylon uh, to, to bring discipline upon Judah. But those nations went beyond what God had called them to do and tried to destroy the Jews from the face of the earth. Other nations like Moab had also joined in the assault. 
But the Lord's most heartening words has to do with Judah, the southern kingdom's future, not her enemies, because God had promised to return to his people. He had promised to prosper their nation. He says, I will comfort Zion. I'll prove to the enemy nations that Jerusalem was indeed his chosen city. And that promise is repeated and expanded all throughout the rest of the book of Zechariah and his prophecy. Uh, the thing that we get from this for ourselves is this, is that when our situation appears to be hopeless, we need to be reminded and even to remind ourselves that God identifies with our suffering, that God knows about your suffering, and that God is in charge of the future. Our responsibility is to repent, to confess our sins, to believe his, his word, his comforting words, his responsibility is to respond to our faith and to work out his perfect will for us. If we don't make sure that we are confessing our sin and repenting of our sin, he cannot bless us the way he wants to bless us. The next point that we see that comes from these visions is in verse 18 down to verse 21. And that's that God vindicates his people. So this second vision begins in verse 18. It's the vision of four horns and four carpenters. So he says in verse 18 and verse 19, Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these? And he said to me, These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So again, you're seeing some correlation to some of the visions that you'll see in the book of Revelation with horns. Uh, and so he says he saw four horns. Uh, so the answer is given that the horns are those who have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So again, he's picturing the nations that have caused these problems to his chosen people, to the people of the Lord. Uh, and they're represented uh, under the symbolism of horns, which represent authority and strength. When you read about those horns in the book of Revelation, that's what those horns are representing, nations. That's what we see here also. So you could almost see how uh, Zechariah and John have a lot of similarities in what they got to experience through the, through the visions uh, that they got to experience. But now notice in relation to or in contrast to the four horns, here's what the Lord says in verse 20. The Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, what are these coming to do? So he didn't understand. He wanted to know. What are these coming to do? And he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one raised his head. And these, these carpenters, have come to testify, to terrify them, to cast down the horns of the nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter it. Uh, and so, in other words, what he's saying here is he's saying, I'm going to deal with the problem. You notice how God's provision supplies the need. Four horns. And how many craftsmen? Four craftsmen. So God says, I'm going to perfectly deal with the situation. I'm going to meet the need. Now this scenario suggests that these horns also became smiths as the empire uh, conquered the previous oppressors. It also reminds the Jews of, of God's providential care uh, in the past. And it reminds them also of his care uh, out there in the future because God is not going to permit any nation to annihilate his chosen people. So in the last days, 
We read in the book, in the Bible, that in the last days, when the Antichrist comes, the, the dreadful and terrible beast, he's going to establish his kingdom, Daniel chapter 7. He's going to persecute the Jews, and he and his kingdom will be destroyed by the return of Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all of his power. And so Zechariah, he's going to have more to say about that in the last part of his book. Uh, that brings us to the end of the second vision. So we go to chapter 2. And we see the message here is depending on God. Uh, 31 men in the Bible, we said, had that name uh, Zechariah. We find out here uh, that Zechariah... Oh, let me get back to my... I guess I'm there. Uh, we found out uh, who Zechariah was. We've heard his vision. Uh, we've seen his visions there. And I guess I did not get the right message transferred into here <laughs> let me pull that over here we go so we see in in chapter 2 here verse 1 down to verse 13 God is going to restore his people so the remnant here had returned to Judah uh, they had been concerned about rebuilding the temple, restoring the city and the nation, but their work was extremely difficult. That's why it ended when they had built just the foundation there. In this vision that we're going to see in chapter 2, God assures his people that he has planned a future glory and a future honor for them and their city when he himself comes to dwell with them. So I want you to see... Uh, the anticipation uh, here uh, from uh, Zechariah in this message uh, that he brings. And so he says in verse 1 uh, down through verse 5, And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So what does that mean? It means somebody's coming to examine, to measure out, uh, kind of uh, putting... Uh, where they are up against God's holy and righteous standards. So he says, I lifted my eyes and saw, behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. And then I said, where are you going? And he said to me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. And behold, the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord. And I will be the, the glory in her midst. And so think about that. Here he comes to measure. So if, if a stranger came into your house and, and began to measure the windows for curtains and, and the floor for carpeting, You'd probably get that person out of there as quickly as possible. What in the world are you doing here measuring my house uh, for? I mean, you measure the property that belongs to you. You measure things that you have authority over. So when the prophet sees this man measuring Jerusalem, it's evidence that Jerusalem is God's. Jerusalem is God's city. And that one day he's going to claim it and restore it in glory. So the man with the measuring line is evidently the angel of the Lord, Israel's Messiah. 
leaders and diplomats, you know, even today we see the turmoil that's going on over there. You can debate all over the throughout the ages uh, who, who, who's going to have control of Jerusalem, but Jesus has the final word. Uh, so by measuring the city, he's saying in measuring the city, this is my city. I can measure it because it's mine. Uh, he declares it's his. He, he's saying that he will accomplish his divine purpose for this city no matter what the leaders of this world may say, no matter what the international assemblies may decide. But this symbolic act also declares something else, that Jerusalem is going to enjoy a future expansion and, 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 a, and a future glory such as that city has never experienced. In other words, the, he's saying the population is going to spill over the walls. In fact, he says there's not going to be any need for walls because God himself is going to be a wall of fire around his people. A small remnant of the Jews uh, in the ruined city of Jerusalem. Uh, just remember, they were, they were helping to keep alive a city that one day is going to be greatly honored and blessed by the Almighty God. And so this message would have come as a word of encouragement uh, to them, a word of anticipation. Uh, but then we also see uh, in this message a message of admonition in verse 6 down through verse 9. So he says to them, up, up. Flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. Up, escape to Zion, you who dwell uh, with the daughter of Babylon. For thus said the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Behold, I will shake my hand over them. They shall become plunder for those who serve them. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. So the Lord is admonishing them, the Jews, yet even in Babylon, to leave the city, to join the remnant in Jerusalem. Why stay there in that comfort? Remember he had told them, while you're in captivity, build, build, build your houses. Uh, live in your houses. Uh, you're going to be here for a while. But there was going to come a time where they were going to go back. And some of them have gotten so comfortable that they're still there in Babylon. They've not gone back yet to Jerusalem. And so he's saying, why remain in your comfort and security of a pagan society when they desperately need you back in your own homeland? The day was going to come when Babylon, now under Persian rule, would be judged for her sins and, and those who served her were going to ransack her. Uh, so he's saying, get out of there, get out of Babylon, because it's going to get destroyed. They're going to get their due course of their judgment of what they are going to get. Get out of there while there's still opportunity. And so this admonition here uh, didn't, apply that, didn't imply that every Jew who remained in Babylon was out of the will of God, just like when God sent Joseph down to Egypt. Uh, to prepare the way for his family. Uh, so he had people like Esther uh, and Mordecai in the Old Testament. Uh, he had more Daniel and his friends uh, and Nehemiah in places of authority in pagan cities where they could do the work of the Lord uh, that he was planning for them to do. The Lord was calling here. What he's doing here is he's calling the Jews who were putting comfort who were putting vocation, who were putting security ahead of doing God's work in their own sacred city. And so he's calling them to depend on him. 
Because you think about it, they're going to get up and leave. I mean, they have already were devastated when they left Jerusalem in the captivity to start with. Now they don't have a whole lot left. If we're leaving Babylon, what do we got uh, to go back uh, to Jerusalem? And so he's saying, you just need to depend upon me. Because understand, the Jewish people are, are very precious to God. Notice what he calls them in verse 8. Uh, the, the apple of his eye. Some versions say the pupil of his eye. The pupil is, a, is that tiny opening in the iris that lets in the light. It's very delicate. It's a very important area uh, of the eye. So anything dear and precious, he's saying, is like the pupil of the eye. Uh, the Lord is still speaking when he says in verse 8, uh, when he says uh, here, For thus says the Lord of hosts, After his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you. That means uh, to bring him glory. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, the purpose of his ministry, his death, his resurrection, was to bring glory to God. And part of that glory is going to involve the future restora restoration uh, of Israel in the kingdom when he reigns on this earth. The final point is this, uh, of the acclamation in verse 10 uh, through verse 13. So he says, as a result of all this that you're seeing, the, re the restoration that's going to happen, he says, sing. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent all flesh before the Lord, for he has aroused himself from his holy Dwelling. So promises like this where he says uh, rejoice, where he sing, says sing and rejoice, NIV says to shout and be glad. Uh, those things ought to make God's people want to sing. The promise is that the Messiah is going to come. The promise is the Messiah is going to dwell with you. Just like back in the Old Testament when the glory of God would dwell in the tabernacle or in the temple, he's coming in the flesh. He's coming to dwell with you. Ezekiel had described the new city and the temple in Ezekiel 40 through 48. And he closes his book by naming the new city Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there. In that day, many Gentiles, he said, are going to come to trust in the Lord. What do we see today? We are Gentiles. We are Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're not the chosen people. Uh, we are uh, Gentiles. And he says many Gentiles will trust in the Lord and be joined with Israel uh, in his glorious kingdom over which the Messiah will reign. In Zechariah 2 verse 12, it's the only place in Scripture where Judah, Israel is called the Holy Land. That designation is used by us many times today. But understand this, it really doesn't apply. And you say, why? Well, because the land really won't be holy until the Messiah cleanses the people and the land when he returns and reigns in his millennial reign and sets up his kingdom forever and ever on this earth. Zechariah 3, 9 uh, is going to tell us that. He tells us that a fountain is going to be open to wash away sin and uncleanness over in chapter 13 and verse 1. And then the Jews are going to be called the holy people then uh, in Isaiah 62, 12. That's something that we ought to shout about. But it's also something to make the nations of the world pause and consider in awe and silence. Why? Because before the Messiah comes to reign, before Jesus comes again, 
He is going to judge the nations of the earth during that period of the time called the time of Jacob's trouble uh, that Jeremiah 37 talks about. The day of the Lord, Isaiah 2 and verse 12. Joel talked about it. Zechariah talks about it in Zechariah 14, 1. And the great tribulation that we read about in Matthew 24, verse 21 in Revelation 6. It's going to be a time of intense suffering when the nations are going to receive their just due. When the Lord has aroused himself from his holy dwelling, as verse 13 says, that's when the nations of the world are going to experience the divine wrath of God. In these three night visions that are yet to come, that we're going to see as we go into those next time, we're going to learn that God watches the nations. He knows what they're doing. All that's happening over there right now hasn't escaped God's thoughts or, or what God knows. He knows what's going on. And, and so we're going to learn that God watches the nations. He knows what they're doing. We're going to learn that he judges the nations for their sins, especially their mistreatment of Israel. And we're going to learn that there is a wonderful future planned for Jerusalem and the Jewish nation when the Messiah returns to cleanse them and to restore the glory of God in their midst. No wonder we're taught to pray in Matthew 6.10, Thy kingdom come. Because when we pray that prayer, we're also praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And there can be no true peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace reigns in Jerusalem and glory in the hearts of the people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. And thank you for showing us more of these visions from Zechariah. Lord, that may seem to us to be distant in their visions that applied to the things back in Zechariah's day, but yet, Lord, there are many applications of things that are yet to happen uh, in the future, even for us, as we join with your people to live forever in your kingdom that you will establish as the, 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 the capital there of, of Jerusalem being the capital of it. And so, Father, we just pray for your will uh, to be done in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, when we have sinned against you, help us, Lord, not to, to ignore our sinfulness. Help us, Lord, not to, uh, to, to push it aside when we hear your word and to think, well, that doesn't apply to me. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to follow everything that you've commanded us to do in your word. And so may your truth live in us. May we live faithfully with you and for you. And we ask your blessings upon us uh, throughout the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there uh, online. want to encourage you to come back and join us on Sunday. Uh, on Sunday we'll be back. Uh, at 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Come and join us in person uh, if you can. Uh, like we said, Sunday we'll be having our fifth Sunday uh, dinner, so come and join us for that right after the service, and then we'll have our fifth Sunday sing uh, next Sunday night, so come and join us for that also. But you have a blessed week. Stay safe, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.